Kia ora. I'm Alex Ashton. Go through the list of drugs that could kill people. We've found most of them. And today on The Detail, what's really in the drugs we're taking? The police minister, Stuart Nash, started pushing for pill testing after recreational drugs laced with pesticides were found at a festival last summer. But his plan to make it easier to legally test illegal drugs at festivals... ...has been derailed. The police minister believes the move will save lives, but New Zealand First says drug testing sends the wrong message. Drug testing works in a legal grey area in New Zealand, which I'll explain soon. But Stuart Nash basically wanted to change the law to make drug testing more widely available. The Greens were in. Festival drug testing everywhere that it has been rolled out internationally has had no impact on drug taking. And so was ACT, but the Nats noticeably less keen. I am on the side of not legalising the testing because I think that it sends the wrong message to young people. And crucially for a coalition government, a no from New Zealand first. It normalises it and I think that we're going down a very slippery slope if we think that it's OK. Taking pills at festivals is a totally bad idea. Now it's been suggested that we should provide all the mechanisms for people to take a whole lot of pills down there to find whether pill taking is safe or not. And we in New Zealand first say it's not safe. Don't do it. Would legal pill testing send a message that drugs are safe or just reduce the harm from an ever-present part of attending festivals? Okay, Know Your Stuff is a not-for-profit social enterprise and what we do is provide drug-related harm reduction services at festivals and events. Wendy Ellison is the director of Know Your Stuff NZ. The most controversial part of what we do is drug checking and that involves people who have obtained a substance that they think is an illicit substance bringing a sample of it to us and we carry out forensic analysis on that sample and we tell them the contents of the sample, what it is, and we then provide harm reduction information specifically tailored to what we've found in the results. The organisation's been testing drugs at festivals for five years, running on volunteers' time and people's donations. I asked Wendy first off just to explain the testing process for me. We turn up with our team, we set up a tent, put the signs out. We're not allowed to advertise, so word spreads by word of mouth. People see our signs, they know who we are, they tell their friends, and then people start showing up. So a person will come to us and one of our volunteers will meet them. They will make it known to us that they're seeking a test. And we we have a small waiting area where people can wait until the testers are ready. Then the person will go through into the testing area We ask them to do all the handling and preparation for the substances because obviously we can't be in possession of them because that's illegal and we can also cannot take them off them and then give them back because that would be supply. So we ask the client to do all of the handling and preparation and we talk them through that process. We first carry out a reagent screening test which confirms the presence or absence of the substance that the person is seeking And then we get them to put another sample on the spectrometer, which will then analyse the spectrum for that sample, run it against a database of approximately 40,000 known substances, and list up to five ingredients that are in that sample. So it gives us a very clear idea of what we're actually looking at. Um, Both of those samples are then destroyed, 
And the next thing we do is we have a conversation with the person about the results of their test, um, providing harm reduction information. We ask them if they still intend to take it. Often people don't. But the people who do still intend to take it, we can then provide information about appropriate dosage, things they definitely should avoid, such as combining with alcohol, for example, symptoms to look out for in case things are going wrong. Um, the aim of the conversation is to persuade people to approach drug use with full information and more safely. And once that's done, we record the result and their answers to our questions, and then they go on their way. What percent of the drugs end up being not what people think they are? Um, this last season, it was approximately 15%. The first season we did it, it was 80% were not what they were supposed to be. 80% were not? Yes. That's, that was quite scary, and that's what made us decide to continue doing it. Um, but each year, it seems that the percentage of, of samples that have turned out to be as presumed has increased. But, of course, drug markets have no quality control. That They are not supervised or regulated, and we believe that those numbers can fluctuate wildly from year to year. So we, while we have seen this increase, we're not convinced it's going to continue. And when they are not what people think they are, what are they? Wellington's biggest music festival, Homegrown, is being encouraged by experts to have testing available at next month's festival to screen for a dangerous drug being sold as ecstasy. Is it normally something else entirely, a combination of a couple of things, or what do people get when they get something they don't think they have? Complete substitution is more common than adulteration in New Zealand, but there is some adulteration, which is where there is the desired substance plus something else. Um, often when it's that, it will be another psychoactive substance. This year, of concern, we've found pills that have tested positive for MDMA but also contain a risky cathinone called N-ethylpentylone. And we believe these pills have been deliberately made because the reagent screening test will show MDMA but not the other cathinone. Um, we are the only people who can detect this other cathinone in these samples, so anyone who's using reagents only, which is the only testing available to the public for people to help themselves, would be fooled into thinking they've just got MDMA. So that's a bit of a concern. Hmm. Um, in terms of complete substitution, again, a lot of the substitution is from the cathinone family. You will have probably heard of them referred to as bath salts in Wellington. It hospitalised 13 people in Christchurch and has killed people overseas. And that is an umbrella term for a family of drugs that contains dozens of different substances, all with different dosages, different profiles, different symptoms, different effects. And so bath salts doesn't really tell you anything useful except that this is a stimulant, but it's not enough for someone to go, well, I know how to approach this more safely now. And unfortunately, the only way we can discern that is by using the spectrometer. How dangerous are some of the drugs you discover or the drug um, combinations you discover? Probably the most dangerous thing that we've found in our testing to date has been a sample that contains fentanyl. Fentanyl is a powerful and controversial pain medication that's been linked to tens of thousands of deaths across the United States, including the rock star Prince. Now, fentanyl has been implicated in I don't even know how many deaths in the US now. It's a synthetic opioid used as an anaesthetic, very good as an anaesthetic, but active in such small doses that it 
if you get the dose wrong, three milligrams can kill somebody. So finding this in the recreational market was quite scary. We've only found the one sample of that, and we don't think that it's a common thing in New Zealand, but it does happen. Um, we also find definitely the cathinones are risky. The biggest risk with cathinones being that people don't know they're taking them. N-ethylpentalon is three times more potent than ecstasy, also known as MDMA, meaning people are often taking three times the usual dosage. And they are often active as, at much smaller doses than the, the sought-after drugs. So, so if they take a normal dose of, say, what they think is MDMA, but it's actually a cathinone, they may have taken up to three times the normal dose of that particular cathinone. And that can get people into trouble as well. Mm. Um, we found alpha-PVP which was implicated in a death in New Zealand a few years ago. We, yeah, you name it, really. <laughs> Go through the list of drugs that could kill people. We've found most of them. Right. What we haven't found is rat poison. We have never found rat poison. Oh, well, that's good, I think. <laughs> I think it's good, and it's also a bit of a myth that goes around people cutting pills with rat poison. This is not something we've actually seen. Pill testing operates in a bizarre grey area. On the one hand, you have the police minister endorsing the activity and some festivals have drug testing on site. But other festival owners are reluctant to do so because it remains illegal and they could potentially still be arrested and sent to jail. How do you operate within the law at the moment? Because the elephant in the room is that these drugs are illegal. Is it all just about getting the people to handle their own drugs? Well, for us, yes, it is, because there is nothing in the Misuse of Drugs Act that prevents somebody from providing somebody with information about drugs. And if we, don't, if we are never in possession of them and we are not supplying them, we're not breaking the law. The issue with the legality is, of course, possession of drugs is illegal. So the people who are bringing substances to us are breaking the law, or at least once they find out their substance is what they thought it was, it is an illegal substance, then they are breaking the law. Um, and the other issue is Section 12 of the Misuse of Drugs Act, which makes it a crime to knowingly permit a venue to be used for drug use. What this means is that the event organisers if they acknowledge that they know people are using drugs at their event, this potentially puts them on the wrong side of Section 12 because you could interpret it to say they are knowingly permitting their venue to be used for drug use, especially if they get us in because that's in some people's minds saying, yes, we know people use drugs and here we are doing something that is not trying to stop them using drugs. And we are seeking a clarification of that section in order for, to give events certainty about exactly what the law says there about what they can and can't do with regard to harm reduction services. Do you need a law change for this to happen? No, no. Technically, it's a bit of a grey area. So no, we don't. And as I've said, it's already been happening. But we could create more clarity. Well, and I think that's that advisable. Yeah, I think there's good grounds for it. As I say, I support it. Um, there's been, you will have heard, there's been some discussion in Parliament to try and get the numbers for it. Yes. Uh, uh, that's still ongoing. It hasn't stopped it happening to date. And I don't think it should stop it happening in the future. No, but you need to clear up the grey area. I'd like to do, and I'd like to do that. But I do know that there are some quite large events who we have spoken with who would love to get us in but are not willing to do so until that legal grey area is cleared up and they have some certainty about what the response will be. 
The police so far have been using their discretion to allow us to continue doing our work, to stay away from and not hassle our clients. And of course, now with the Misuse of Drugs Amendment that's just gone through this year, the police now have to justify prosecution of minor possession offences as a, a public health initiative. So it is unlikely that the police are going to start harassing people who have one pill and they're going to get it tested. That's just not in line with their harm prevention policies and it's no longer in line with the law either. How does the law actually inhibit what you do? Because it sounds like you are places, you're doing it for all intents and purposes. How does the law make your job more difficult? Yes, we are doing it and we are going to continue to do it. But the events that are willing to take on that risk due to the uncertainty of Section 12 tend to be smaller events, often held in out-of-the-way places, unlicensed events, so they don't have masses of interaction with the police. And the other concerns are sort of reputational, financial and legal for high-profile events. They basically don't want to take that risk. And so the larger events where we could prevent the most harm by having our presence are too afraid to get us in because of the potential consequences. So essentially we are providing the service, but we're providing it on a small scale. And if the police minister, his vision of having it at every major event through the summer is to be realised, then that piece of legislation needs to get out of the way and give the event organisers some certainty. It is something I'm passionate about. I just can't get it across the line. It doesn't mean I stop. Um, it just means that we probably are not going to get it in place legally for this coming festival season. Basically, the argument goes, if you allow legal pill testing, you are telling people that it's OK to take drugs and in some ways even encouraging illegal drug use. What do you make of that argument? Well, it's certainly an understandable concern because to all intents and purposes, it would seem that allowing drug checking says, OK, we're all right about you taking these drugs and, and of course, taking drugs is breaking the law. So I can see those concerns. However, there have been drug checking services operating in Europe for 20 years and they are all very heavily monitored and there is no evidence that's come out of that monitoring to suggest that the presence of drug checking services at events increases drug use. So while it may seem that drug use is being encouraged, that doesn't actually seem to be the case based on 20 years of evidence. And the other thing I would say to that is our own data shows that people who come to us have already obtained a substance, they've already broken the law in their mind, they've already decided to use drugs, and when they come to us and find out that their substance isn't what it's supposed to be, then more than half of them then choose not to take it. So it may seem counterintuitive, but what we're actually seeming to be doing is discouraging people from using drugs. And we even have feedback from people who have previously used the service that have told us they are now taking a more risk-oriented and safer approach to drug use even outside of festivals and events when they can't directly interact with us. So it appears that we're influencing how people approach drugs to a more safe approach, regardless of whether people think we're condoning it or not. And the police have released a statement on drug testing services. They say the police are aware of these services, but even when the drug is what it seems, the user can come to considerable harm. What about if the drug is what I think it is, though? Is there not almost a false sense of security 
in some ways, because inherently illicit drugs can be extremely risky and deadly. Absolutely they can, and most people know that there is a risk associated with drug use, and certainly before we start, we tell people that if they want their safety to be guaranteed, then don't take drugs, because all drug use carries a risk. So when we come to the people whose substances test as presumed, that is when we start talking about the specific risks of that drug. Like there is, there is a misconception out there that we're telling people their drugs are safe and go nuts and all this kind of stuff. And the reality is that all of our conversations are based in risk. And what our testing does is we might take that risk from being an abstract, oh, drugs are risky, to a specific tangible risk right in front of them in real time and then we have a conversation so they know what risk they're taking and they know what they can do to reduce the risks. So I would counter that by saying the false sense of security is is more about young people who don't understand the risks and are prepared to take on an unknown risk whereas we make that risk real and then they think a lot more about the riskiness of drug use. Security checks at one of the country's busiest New Year celebrations uncovered a mystery drug containing pesticides and other potentially dangerous substances. NewsHub understands the pills look like MDMA or ecstasy and are purple. We were not associated with the alerts that came out at Rhythm and Vines and we were actually quite critical of the alert that came from there because they were issued by people who were not trained in harm reduction and they didn't contain enough information for people to actively take steps to avoid being harmed by these substances. In order to actually avoid taking a dodgy pill that is known to be in circulation, people need to know what it looks like, what it's being sold as, what's in it, and what the symptoms are if you haven't inadvertently taken this, what symptoms to look for. And none of this was in in those alerts that were put out earlier this year. It was just a very, I think it said, pills that looked like ecstasy containing pesticides and paint. And most people thought that was a hoax. Heading into this summer, it looks like you won't be able to operate legally uh, because of the the political side of things and what's going on there. But are you still planning on heading to festivals this year? Absolutely. We have confirmed bookings already and they're still coming in. The publicity lately seems to have brought a few more in, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Look, the political process, we knew when Stuart Nash made his comments earlier this year about wanting us at every event and changing the law, that the political process does not run smoothly or quickly. We knew that the coalition government may struggle to reach consensus about this. And we decided very early on to plan for the law not having been changed and to go ahead anyway. So while there has been a lot of stuff in the news about it, we are just carrying on business as usual while we wait for the politicians to catch up. What do you think it would take to change the minds of the people that say we simply cannot allow legal testing of illegal drugs because it sends the wrong message? That is a very difficult question because often these types of opinions are not based in in sort of factual knowledge or evidence. Certainly some of the comments that came from New Zealand first a couple of weeks ago suggested that they 
their understanding is based on some myths about about drug checking. For example, they they thought we were telling people drugs are safe. They thought we were t- giving people their drugs back. Um, they thought that we were seeking public funding, and all of these things set people up against it. And none of them are actually true. However. Evidence often doesn't sway people who are taking a moral stance, and the moral stance here is that drug use is wrong and people who do wrong things should be punished. So it then comes down to a question of exactly what do you want this punishment to be? Now, from our perspective, we don't think death is an appropriate punishment for some kid experimenting at a party and wanting to have a good time. We would much rather that that person survive to grow out of that experimental phase and make more sense decisions, and that is what the work we're doing is achieving. Um, the difficulty, of course, is convincing people of that because it does seem counterintuitive, and I totally understand those concerns. I just, I guess, hope that those people think about their own children and their own grandchildren who they may have brought them up to say no to drugs, but I think that anyone who thinks their child will not be faced with these decisions um, is probably a little bit delusional. Um, and we would like those, those people to be making those decisions with the best information they can get. The message, you know, don't use drugs, drugs are bad, is all very well, but it is not working. That's The Detail for today. I'm Alex Ashton. The Detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz, made possible by the RNZ NZ On Air Innovation Fund. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. And if you're on Apple, please leave a rating, as it helps other listeners find us. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. Our associate producer is Kaitaki Masalamani. Ka kite anō.